Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. You know, life is not what you get out of it. It's what you put back in. You know, our current means for summarizing life's work from resumes to salaries, you know, they're devoid of what matters the most. The work we do is often bad for us. It's bad for our well-being when it should be making us happier and healthier. What are the most meaningful contributions we can make? That's the question we should be asking. That is life's great question. I'm reading from the introduction of Tom Rath's brand new book, Life's Great Question. It's great to have Tom back on the show. He came on five years ago, and I re-listened to our first conversation from five years ago, and I remembered why it was such a great conversation and uh, why Tom is such a great guest. I love this guy. I love the work that he's doing. You've probably heard of him. He wrote Strength Finder 2.0, and almost everybody in this space uh, is familiar with Strength Finders 2.0. It is Amazon's top-selling nonfiction book of all time. Tom's written a ton of books. Um, his other bestsellers include Strength-Based Leadership, Well-Being, Eat, Move, Sleep, Are You Fully Charged? And he's got this brand new book coming out in February of 2020 called Life's Great Question, Discover How You Best Contribute to the World. This really resonated with me, and this conversation was just fantastic. Because as Tom believes, and I believe too, but his book is all about showing you how to make your work, your life, more meaningful, how to boost your well-being. It's a quick read. You know, it is about, you've heard me say this, it's about making the campsite better than you found it, right? That is our obligation. And that's why I think this book really resonated with me. And it's about what you do that improves the world around you. It's about investing in the development of other people. It's about the efforts that will continue to grow long after we're gone. I mean, these are the, you've heard me, if you're a fan of the show, we talk about this. This theme comes up time and time again. And I just absolutely love this book and I love this this conversation. This book is great too because when you buy the book, you get a code for an online program called Contribify. And I they gave me a code and I took it. And it's really cool. It, it's a series of questions. It took about 15 minutes to do. A couple open-ended questions and it really gets to the core of how you can contribute. It's not a leadership personality test. It's more of here's a snapshot of who you are, what makes you tick, and where you can best contribute. It's really good. Anyway, take a listen to this conversation, and we'll explain more about it. And uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation with the one and only Tom Rath. Hey, look, I'm, I really appreciate you being uh, a fan of the show. Take the time to subscribe, rate, and review. Share it with your friends and family. That's my call to action for you. And if you're looking for someone that can help create a decentralized culture in your organization, that's what I'm all about. I love going into organizations and being kind of behind the scenes and arrow in the quiver of an organization. I hate the word consultant because I, I, I'm, I'm different than that. I don't come in and say, hey, let's take a survey. Let me tell you where you're all jacked up and then let's go fix it. Then I leave. No, I like to be embedded in your organization, almost like I'm an employee and help you change the leadership culture in your organization. So I use all kinds of methods, all kinds of programs. It's based on what you need, customized to what you need. But at the core, what we're going to do is we're going to create a leadership culture of decentralized decision making. That is the secret sauce. That is what I'm good at. That's what I'm passionate about. I'm going to help you create a culture where the leadership responsibility is spread throughout the entire organization, where senior leaders become affected at strategy and intent and the middle and below become experts of empowered execution. 
Again, that is the secret sauce. We get rid of inept leadership behaviors. We get rid of the departmental silos. We increase the innovation piece. And lack of execution becomes a dysfunction of the past. Check out more. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can watch a video where I explain my big idea on leadership and also talk about my latest success story with this company called ECRS, where I worked with them for 12 months and did the exact same thing, created this decentralized culture of leadership. If you're interested, if you think I might be a fit, reach out to me at doseofleadership.com, watch the video, and send me a direct email. All right, get ready for this fascinating conversation with the one and only Tom Rath, where we talk about his brand new book, Life's Great Question, Discover How You Can Contribute to the World, here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Tom, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Welcome back to Dose of Leadership. Thanks so much. It's really good to be with you again. I was, you know, when I was doing the homework for the interview and I was like, guy, he was on my show. If, if you would have asked me, someone would have said, yeah, he was on my show three years ago, two years ago. <laughs> it was five years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, it just seems, it's just amazing how fast time go, right? It really does. Well, I'm so excited. I, mean, you know, I remember the conversation we had and I, and I listened to it again and I just remember uh, how fun it was to talk with you. I've, I've, I've been a big fan, a big supporter. Obviously, Strength Finder has just been a, a huge p- impact on so many people's lives. And just to let you know, I've um, in the coaching, the clients that I've had since we've had the conversation, how many times people reference Strength Finders? You've made a significant impact uh, with your body of work. I mean, I'm sure you get that all the time, but uh, I just want to let you know. So many times in the last five years since we've last talked, I've referenced your material. People have talked about your material. So so congratulations on the impact you're making. Thanks so much. I sincerely appreciate it. Well, so we got this new book coming out, right? And um, I took – I'm anxious to read it, but I, I took some of the um, – uh, the profile questions to set up my own profile. I love how you do that, how you can buy the book, you get a code, and you can find out how you can best contribute to the world. And I love this idea, this concept, because as I've gone through this show, what I keep going back to and I find myself uh, on my own journey and when I'm coaching others, that really our obligation is to make the campsite better than we found it, stealing from the Boy Scouts there. That's well put. But isn't that... Isn't that really what it boils down to? Is how can we contribute best, right? And that's why I'm excited to read this book. Yeah, it's one thing I've noticed recently is that it's almost easier, and there's so many things trying to pull us inward and saying, how do you focus on self and your own situation and your own personality and your own development? But yet, what really matters at the end of the day and at the end of a career or a lifetime, frankly, is that we feel proud about what we've put back into the world, not what we've taken out of it. And so that's where almost all of this recent work is focused is how can we help people to do more meaningful things for others through their work? You know, a lot of this uh, work on this most recent book really started with a quote that I've always been inspired by from Dr. King, where he said, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? And That may sound like a big picture existential question, but I've tried to ask myself that question almost every day over the last few years. And I find that when I ask that question early on in the day and I orient my efforts around things that I'm doing that will make a difference for other people a week from now, a month from now, a generation from now, I end up doing more meaningful work throughout the day that hopefully is of more service to my community. Yeah, the light bulb turned on for me when I've started pursuing this leadership path more intentionally um, 
was when I got past the head noise, when I got past my limiting beliefs, when I got past my imposter syndrome, things really clicked and went into overdrive when I said, hey, you know, leadership is really about just how do I add value in every transaction? How do I contribute? How do I? And then it removed myself and all my kind of internal noise away from the equation, right? And so it became external, like how can I add value to this situation in an authentic, genuine way, not in a way where I'm going, hey, I'm going to do something so that you can get something, you know, you, you're going to, I'm going to get something from you, right? It's easy to fall into that trap too, but to authentically contribute, that's when it really starts to turn the corner, right? Yeah, I think we've got to move past the transactional piece of it to your point. It's because it's a way to orient your day where if you're doing something that you're proud of and you, you, we need to be able to kind of see the benefits it has for other people because that gives us more motivation to continue to do more and give more back. And, you know, the piece that I didn't realize until I got deeper into the research and work here is that um, when you really can orient big parts of your day around what you're doing for others, it also makes your days just easier and less stressful because you're not as worried about what people are thinking of you or what might happen to you or your own condition or your own situation. And, um, you know, I've had some conversations recently where I've talked to friends about, well, yeah, it's, it's one thing to be able to worry about what you're putting back into the world. But what I've found personally is that it's a pretty tactical way just to minimize your own stress and worry throughout the day. Because if you're genuinely focused on what you're doing for even one other person, whether that's one of your kids, a friend, a spouse, a customer, or a colleague, it takes the worry away when you're oriented towards your own needs and fears. Yeah. That's what I meant by saying it, it, it gets you out of your headspace. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, I don't know about you, but for me, it's a constant battle. And, and that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I've got from having these conversations on the show is everybody seems to talk about that. How do I get out of that headspace? How do I silence the ego, silence the noise and become more present and, and start to contribute, right? And it's really what it's about. I don't, I don't know if you put it in those terms, but it is about being fully present in the moment and getting ready, like you said, the transaction and starting to add value in everything that you do. And then you're right. The stress kind of it melts away because you're not thinking about, well, what do people think about me? What about this? It's it's like giving without expecting anything in return. And the dichotomy is all the things that you were chasing when you were kind of more blatant about it, all those buckets and those reservoirs get overflowing with abundance, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I found anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, we do better work and we feel better about it. And I mean, I think a, a part of what I've been working toward here is the the typical relationship that a person has with an organization or with an employer is pretty broken on average across, at a macroeconomic level, in my opinion, experience, and what I've read from a lot of research recently. And so I think we need to help people to think over the span of a career, how can they continue to improve so that their life is better off because of the work that they're doing. And they can, not only can they confidently say that, but if I were to ask your best friend or your spouse, if you're a better husband or you're a better parent because of the work that you're doing now, they would say yes. And I think that's the type of relationship that we all eventually deserve to have with our work. And because of the way that work for many generations and centuries has been kind of 
transactional and based on a monetary paycheck, it's taking time to evolve and get there, but we're making some progress. I agree. I think everybody, there seems to be, particularly in the last, I don't know, certainly over the last 50 years, but I think it's kind of almost moved into hyperdrive in the last 15 to 20, where everybody at least acknowledges that, hey, everybody, everybody, no matter who it is, wants to know that they're here and that their life matters. If you if you really strip down to it, right? And I don't think people buy into. I, I've never bought into. Have you ever heard the like? You know, well, not everybody can be this. Some people just like, you know, sitting around and making widgets or making washers all day, right? Sitting at the machine and pressing a button. I don't know if I buy into that. Do you? Do you? I mean, I, I don't buy in. I mean, certainly everybody has a role and a certain fit, but I do think everybody has this wanting desire to know that they're here and to and to contribute and know that they matter. Do, would you agree with that? I would agree. And I think it's a good thought and question you pose because I I would hope that most people could aim higher and expect more. I think sometimes people may settle for the transactional relationship with their work and their job. Um, and maybe in part because that's what they've seen and, grown up with and been accustomed to envisioning. And so they had low expectations. But I think one thing I'm kind of encouraged by is the generation entering the workforce today absolutely has higher expectations of having a meaningful, fulfilling job that does something good for society, not manufacturing cigarettes or whatever it might have been a generation ago that now people don't, don't want to do because they want to do something that makes a positive contribution. And I personally think that's a a good evolution of the expectation in terms of the social contract we have with organizations. I agree. And it doesn't have to be, I think it's a, it's a important to point out that these contributions, they don't have to be the next great big startup. I mean, it can be, it's whatever's authentically you and what is perfect for your, um, skill set, personality traits, everything else, right? It doesn't have to be, something that's well-known. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, most of the contributions are pretty, they start really small. Exactly. I I think about the way I orient my daily contributions. And if my son tonight gets just one of his, he's nine years old, if he gets just one of his multiplication uh, facts, right, that we've been working on for the last few days when I'm quizzing him after school, that's a little bit of new growth. If my daughter is working on her writing, she's a couple years older and she, I, she tells a really good story. That's a big, meaningful accomplishment as a parent contributing to the growth of someone. And it's those little things I look for in a day as uh, evidence that I've contributed to something meaningful. And in the research I've looked at, boy, if, if you're preparing meals in a kitchen, in a restaurant, in food service, if you can see a customer with a smile on her face because she's eating something you prepared, you feel better about it. You make better quality food. And it's actually, it's more nutritious on average too, according to the work that I've looked at. So in any occupation, we need to be able to see with our own eyes, these little victories with a colleague, with a customer, with someone we care about. I agree. And that's why it's so important to get out of that headspace. And mm-hmm. also it don't buy into the the pressure of societal norms, I guess. Is that the right way to say it? You know, or even societal expectations or pop culture expectations, if that makes sense. 
right? It's like having the courage to look past those kind of in, you know, boxed in expectations that you see in mass media and what's been passed down by generations. Am I saying that right? I don't know if I'm making it too complicated, I, but. You know, it makes perfect sense to me because the thing that I hit head on as I started to get into this work on how do we help orient people around contribution and start a bigger conversation on how we contribute is that the mechanisms we have for describing the value of our work today are incredibly poor in my opinion. So when we were talking, I was talking with a group of CEOs about uh, if you look at a resume today, I, I you could not script a more sterile, <laughs> cold, right. clinical, and impersonal way to summarize a human being's contribution if you tried to. That's so true. And, and so what I've been trying to put together is ways that we can say, here's who I am. So what are the big roles I play in life as a dad, as a husband, as a researcher? What are the big experiences that have shaped my life? And how do I want to make a bigger contribution to my family, to a team I'm on, to society? And start to describe that in a much more personal and emotional and a, and a meaningful way. Because so often we just jump into projects or teams or jobs and we don't step back and say, here's who I am. Here's what matters to me. And here's how I think I can make a meaningful contribution. And if you just level set expectations, even briefly, take 30 minutes to do it, all of a sudden everybody starts heading off in the right directions instead of on parallel tracks where you end up butting heads and having unclear expectations a few months in. Well, that's what I love about your work. It, the, uh, underlying all of this, I mean, I, and I can see this in this book, Life's Great Question, is this you're going into all of this, all of your body of work, it seems to go in with this assumption that it's already inside of me. Every, you know, it, whatever, it's less about trying to be a better husband, father, leader, ex. It's like you already are, you already have all the skill set, the tool sets, you just need to unleash it, right? And, and would you, is that a fair assessment to how you approach your work? And do you believe that? Absolutely. And I think it's, I mean, to your point earlier, you're talking about how what matters when in the end, what will matter is that we feel really good about those roles we played as a mentor, right. as a father, whatever it might be. It won't be that we got through, I got to inbox zero on January 12th, right. 2020, right? right? Or I was a senior vice president, or I had 100,000 followers, whatever it might be. Those things will not be remembered. And I don't think they'll matter anywhere near as much as the real value and meaning we contributed to the growth of one person we really care about. And so anything we can do to help orient our days in the near term on those things that will matter, I think help us to continue to make forward progress. You know, when you think about the arc of a career, I, I certainly have not found a singular purpose, nor do I ever expect to, but I'm continuing to make forward progress and contributing to meaningful and fulfilling efforts that I think mean my career has gotten a little bit better this year than did last year. And there are always times when we make some forward progress, we take two steps back, make some forward progress. But as long as we can see that we've got some hope for how it can be better in the future and we can do more to contribute to efforts that will grow when we're gone, I think it's through the trajectory there that probably the most important element. Yeah. I, I love what you said. How, who is this, 
who is this book for? I mean, I know it's for everyone, but I mean, if you were sitting here, if someone, if you could define who, who is this ideal avatar, this person who's in desperate need of this book, who is that person? Well, I like the avatar idea. That's you know, I, I spend a lot of my time challenging authors to focus on an audience, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start asking them about who the avatar is. Um, when I was thinking about this book, it's really someone who's trying to figure out either what the next step in their career should be, or how they can make as meaningful a contribution as possible with the new team that they're joining. Um, I, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night is I mentioned my kids are almost nine and 11 here in the next month. And by the time they're entering the work world, I desperately want there to be, and I'm going to work to make sure there are much better tools to help them align who they are with what the world needs from a job and a value standpoint out there. I, I think we've done a pretty good job, frankly, over the last 25 years of helping people to gain more self-awareness about who they are as individuals. What we haven't figured out yet is how do we help align who each person is with all these very specific needs that are out there in the job world and in the marketplace. So that's, that's, I've kind of been attempting to put together a beta version of that or a 1.0 version of what are all the needs out there. And I went through and looked at thousands of Bureau of Labor Statistics, job categories and codes, and tried to sort down to what are the things that people actually do in our economy today that others value and that people get paid to do regularly? And how can, then I was asking myself the question of how can each of us kind of map back from point A, where point A is who you are and how you want to contribute. Point B is what the world around you needs, what your community needs, what your organization needs. How do you begin to draw some direct connections and lines and make that much more of a practical, pragmatic application and exercise than it is today where we kind of wind up in jobs due to chance or what our parents did or where we live and so forth? Yeah, I I love how you said that. And I would say there's been – I. I'm having trouble articulating it because I can see the difference here, the uniqueness. It's like, you're right, following what my parents did, what the expectations, maybe what pop culture says, oh, I need to get a college degree so I can become a doctor so I can make the most money possible. And then, you know, find it when I'm 40 that I absolutely hate being a doctor. And then you're, you see that all the time, right? And, right. Or, and then you find, so that guy goes out there, that guy or gal, you know, they're, they became a lawyer because they're, parents said you're either going to be a lawyer or a doctor then they hate it and they have a midlife crisis and they go buy the book who moved my cheese and they try to find out what their talents and passions are you're taking even a step further right and that's what i heard you say and it's like it's it's kind of like it's not just about the talent and the passion it's about the contribution and that's what i that's why i'm so excited about this because no one's really done that before right it's a step beyond who moved my cheese right I hope so. And I, you know, I was inspired by, there's a, I watched a commencement address that Ben Horowitz, who's the founder of Andreessen Horowitz, he's got a few good books out recently too. Um, He was giving a talk at Columbia and he said, instead of finding your passion, follow your contribution. Yeah, I like Essentially, I might not get the words perfect, but something, he said something along that lines. and, And I think that's a better goal and a better dependent variable for a career, essentially, where if you're following where you can make the greatest contribution, 
you're likely to end up in a better place than if you follow your passion or if you say, I need to find my purpose, because those are all about looking inward at yourself. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, you're, I may be very passionate about racquetball or ping pong or chess or something. And you know what? That, that doesn't really make a bit of difference for most people <laughs> right. that I care about in this world. So yeah. it, they're, they're sometimes it's good to have passions. It's good to have hobbies. But when you think about the arc of a career, I think it may be better to follow contribution. Well, and that's why I like it for, personally for myself when I say it's my obligation I mean, why am I here? I'm here to make this place better than I found it. It's as simple as that. That is the obligation I think every human being has. And if you don't pursue that, if you don't at least follow that and see where it takes you, and you ask that question, then I think you're kind of shaming the universe. At a minimum, you're shaming yourself and you're not living up to what the potential is. And Maybe maybe I'm being a little harsh and uh, a little judgmental about that but that helps me personally to remind myself hey you're only here for a short time and so what are you going to do to make the place better than you found it and that goes down to the at the micro and the macro to, to the everyday transactions between this conversation to the stranger I meet in the street to the macro like what I want my legacy to be you know when I assume room temperature you know it, it does that make sense yeah, it's it's really well put. I, th- I mean, I think, you know, I, I kind of step back. I, I talk a little bit in the book about how I was diagnosed with a really rare genetic disorder when I was 16. And doctors said, you know, I didn't, weren't sure if I'd make it to 40. Right. And how then, so I, I made it to 40 about four years ago. And I kind of stepped back and said, well, now what do I do? I've tried to put pack this whole lifetime into the first 40 <laughs> right. years. And as I got kind of reflective about it, the, the, what crystallized things for me was kind of essentially realizing that you're the way you put it is perfect on a daily basis and at a lifetime macro level. Life is really about what you put back into the world, not what you get out of. It. Yeah. And, and, and once you see through that lens, I think it makes your days smoother. It makes your days easier. It makes your days meaningful. And hopefully that'll be good in the long term too, because I will have spent a lot of individual days contributing to things that, can continue to have a positive influence on people decades after I'm gone. Yeah. And And, go ahead. No, go ahead. That was it. I was just going to say that to me, it makes life. It's the difference between an abundant mindset and a scarcity mindset. And, and it is one of abundance. And, and I'm certainly guilty of, of living the scarcity mindset where I've got to get the next, this, I got to do that. I got to do that. You know, even on my entrepreneurial journey, I find that when I chase it directly and I and my mindset or my lens is focused on, okay, where do I get my next client? Okay, I need this amount of cash flow by this date. I need this. It never fully materializes. But if I don't focus on that and I focus instead on the value that I can add, the contribution that I can provide, then all that other stuff seems to kind of fall into place and then some. It, it, does that make sense? And and the stress isn't there. The anxiety isn't there. Um, it doesn't mean I'm I'm passive by any means. In fact, I would say I'm more active when I can intentionally focus on what you're talking about here. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's. I think that was a, a big learning for me. I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, or I believe it was Robert Wright published a book that didn't get as much attention as some of his big ones. It was called Non-Zero. 
and it was just about how to kind of avoid the zero sum mindset. And uh, that had a big influence on me. And I, it's, I mean, as much as I've tried to get away from that, it's hard for me to even relate to and understand some of the zero sum mentality when I do see it out there about, you know, you have to lose for me to win. And it just, I'm, I'm glad the world doesn't really operate like that. Yes, me too. Well, so I'm anxious to get the book. I took the uh, – there's two parts to it, really. The, the This word – I don't know why it's so difficult to me. Contribify? Am I saying that right? Yes, you are, and it is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two parts to this. I get this book. I get an access code, and I went through this this morning, and it's so cool. I mean it's – I don't know, it took me about 15 minutes, I think. A uh, series of open-ended questions. Uh, a couple in there, a couple lists, maybe three lists where I had to um, say, you know, what were my biggest defining, how do I see my defining roles, the three defining roles? Uh, I think the other one, the other one was the uh, miles, the most influential life experiences that I've had. And I listed three things. And then what do I think my greatest strengths are? And then I don't know how many questions there were, but there was a series of open-ended questions that gave me four choices and I pick one and it instantaneously after I was done, it gave me a PDF, a contribify profile, which I find just extremely helpful. Um, so I kind of did this before I read the book actually, cause the book's not technically out yet, but I'm, I'm curious about, can I go through what it said and can I get your feedback on what do you think, what you think it means? Yeah, that'd be helpful. So I took it, and I'll just say that the defining roles that I had were father, husband, leadership expert. The, the three most influential life experiences was uh, my time in the Marine Corps, uh, joining the, the crew, the rowing team, and then getting involved in an entrepreneurship or called DECA club when I was in high school. And it was kind of those three experiences kind of pivoted and led to even where I'm at today. And the strengths, I put adaptable, listener, and intelligent. And it says my greatest contributions was number one, visioning, number two, challenging, and three, teaching. So I'll kind of stop there. I could read some of the things that it says about it, but what is it? What does that mean to you when when I shared that with you? Yeah, you know, for me, what you just said is more of a snapshot of who you are and what's been important over a lifetime than I could probably get from looking at your LinkedIn profile. Right. And to have to have you walk me through that, it's kind of refreshing because I've spent a bunch of time on this and haven't had the opportunity to hear people talk about it. But um, that tells me quite a bit about who you are, what you value, how we could have a meaningful conversation, what we could work on and collaborate on. And, um, it, you know, frankly, it also tells me as you talk about those three contributions that you're similar to me in terms of having a lot of uh, desire to spend time in those creative areas where yeah. you're visioning and challenging and teaching. And it means that if you and I got together on a team, we would have to be very careful and deliberate to have other people on that same team that would help to make sure we maintain good relationships and got stuff done. Right. Because, because if we were just off and running, that might not happen. Yeah, and but, I've done that too many times. Yeah. And I, especially for people like you and I, it's easy to find like-minded people and have fun discussions. And then it'll be six months down the road and we still won't have, Accomplish yeah. yeah, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because it, there's a, um, it, in the three top three contributions in depth part, and it has a little pie chart of the create, relate, and operate. And all of my, like I said, the three 
greatest con- contributions are in the create create pie. And years ago, I used to think, um, oh, I'm an operator because every job that I had in the civilian sector, once I got uh, laid off from American and out of the Marine Corps, I was always an operator. I was the vice president of operations. I was the chief operator, whatever. And I, what you just said, that example, I'd sit there and I would get people excited and we would, I'd find people and we'd talk and we had these great ideas and then we wouldn't get anything done because I didn't have any operators. You know what I mean? We were just sitting mm-hmm. there, we were having fun brainstorming, but nothing was getting done. I've seen that so many times with groups I've been a part of because it's with the questions in that inventory about where do you want to spend your time? And if you want to spend your time in that headspace, as you so masterfully described it, that kind of summarizes it. Um, you need to make sure that you've got teams where someone is, whether it's what they naturally want to do or not, someone's at least saying they're going to make sure that we do those three big bucket things because otherwise the wheels just aren't going to stay on the bus in terms of making productive forward progress. So that's that's one important piece of what I was trying to put together by asking people how they want to contribute. I think that's one aspect of it. The other important piece, you know, it's fascinating as I have had people talk about their profile in more depth. You described your time in the Marine Corps and that uh, DECA club that you were a part of. And I think as if you were to elaborate a little bit more about why those were influential. The, one thing that surprised me as I've gotten into this is some of those life experiences, hearing why those mattered is a really good way to get to know one another yeah. and maybe go a bit deeper where people have in the past. That's a great point. I mean, I can just see this as a great tool. Like you said, if people, if someone takes this and you have this in front of you, yeah, you could, it would just lead to so many other conversations. You're right. I'd be, I would ask somebody, well, why was rowing so important to you? That's, that's interesting to me. Right. And you would Mm -hmm. never get that, like you said, off of a stupid sterile resume, you know, and no, no matter what, how expensive the stock of the paper or fancy the font was, you know, you would never get that. Right. And right now, I mean, it's it's human nature to say, okay, we're we've been told that we're a team by somebody and we have a job to get done and it's to produce this many new clients in the next six months, whatever it might be. But we often just crash through the time where we should get to know each other and what drives each person and how they want to make a difference with this given team or group or effort. So if if people just do one thing differently as a product of this book or the tool or whatever, and that's to have a 30 minute conversation where they get to know each other and have better expectations when they join a new team, boy, that'd be a big victory for in my book. Yeah, I agree with you. What about when I see things, and this is uh, kind of the, the pluses and the minuses of these kind of surveys or even tests or personality tests. And, and I always, I love them. I love doing these things. They're always fun. Um, this one did tell me a couple things I didn't really, I mean, I guess when I, I read it, I'm like, yeah, that is, that is me for sure. So there was, there was some refreshing new things, a couple of things that validated what I already knew about myself. Um, but the challenge is is like, oh, well, I want to be a better relator or I want to be a better operator. Is there anything that's, uh, sometimes when I see, I get this. I'm like, ah, see, I'm not a good operator. I'll I'll never get in there. It's not to say that, right? It's not to say I can't be better at organizing, achieving, or adapting, or scaling on the operations side of the pie, right? Absolutely. I mean, and this this isn't uh, what I was working on here is not, is not trying to kind of look at more permanent 
personality right. type exactly. features and stuff like dedicated research-based assessments have that have been a part of in the past. Um, this was more about where, it, I think the question in there is, how do you want to contribute? To exactly. Given team right, so right, it's right, right. much more situational about the given group that you're on. So there are groups that I'm a part of. I, I'm not the most outgoing person. I'm low on extroversion scales and like, but there are times when I'm on a team and I do need to pitch in more yep. in terms of building relationships, even though that's not what I'm naturally the best at. And there are absolutely places where I need to help with scaling up different efforts because I'm on a team with a bunch of people who are just complete pie in the sky creatives. And I'm one of the more linear analytical thinkers. Um, and so I, it's, it's more about balancing how people both can and want to contribute to a given effort. And that's also why it's important to know that unlike if you, if this were a, a personality measure or one of those kind of tests about who you are, we designed it so that people can go through it an unlimited number of times and continue to update their profile each time they join a new team to say, this is a different situation and different scenario. And you might want to go back through it or update it. And I would hope that eventually it can turn into kind of a living, breathing, organic uh, analog to a resume that's much more personal. Yeah. And you, you, you answered my question that I had trouble articulating. You're absolutely right. That's what I wanted to get across, that this is less about, you know, putting you in a box and defining some, you know, like a Myers-Briggs test personality profile, but it's just to help you gain a better understanding of, of who you are for the sole purpose of making sure that you can do more for other people, right? That's, that's that what we're trying precisely, to do. Precisely. That's, yeah, you said that better than I probably did in the book. No. Well, I mean, I, I'm just excited about this because I just think it's, it's, I'm even having trouble trying to articulate what, why I see it's different, but it's, it's, you know, I get a lot of requests for books. I mean, and there's tons of leadership type books out there, but this one really caught my attention. And I think it's because it, it, it feeds that question that's so needed or it feeds that need uh, that is so uh, absent in the workplaces like w and for individuals is like what why am I here and how can I how can I make the best use of this limited amount of time that I'm here maybe that's why it's resonating with me so much you know and as you talk about it I really realize that we've we've kind of over sanitized the workplace environment to a degree for sure where it's I mean not just resumes but when you think about the language we use in corporate communications and that we use in, uh, you know, either as a, a good, it was a good forward step in terms of the business roundtable put out that statement about how uh, we want to have organizations that actually contribute to employees' lives and well-being. But then you go in and look at what exactly they're talking about companies doing. And it's, it's pretty tactical, functional, benefit-oriented type stuff. It's not about having conversations about why your work actually matters exactly. for the life of a customer you're serving. And it's not about whether you're a better dad because you're a part of that organization, which really is what we all want when we go home. Right. But we've taken some of that out of the conversation. So I, I think we do need to try and breathe a few breaths of uh, humanity back into these team conversations in the workplace so that uh, we can all feel good about 
why we do what we do when we go home. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's what drives me crazy. And I think about, you know, and I work, and everybody knows who I work for from the, if you listen to the show, the, the airline I work for, I won't mention their name, but it is the largest airline out there. And I love working for them. But the challenge, and you even see it in, in the press, that they're struggling. Like the organization doesn't really know what it stands for. And when you've got 150,000 employees, and you, I mean, you would think that would be something easy that you can grasp your arms around. But the organization is struggling from a cultural standpoint. Is like, what is it we do? Why do we exist, and what are we contributing to that that makes it meaningful? And when you don't have that, what you get is you get individual departments. They start relying on their own individual processes and procedures, and that's not a culture, right? And that that things start working in isolation, and and you don't get the best outcome you could possibly get. You get, well, this is how we do it in in uh, the gate agent world. This is how we do it in the flight attendant world. And you get pilots saying, well, that's not my job. My job is this. Instead, if you had this, you know, kind of collective, what you're talking about of, of, of well, how can we best serve one another and serve our customer? And it's, I mean, it sounds so simple when you talk about it here at zero speed, but there are plenty of examples of organizations that, that don't get it. And the airline I work for is like, they're struggling with that right now. And, and you can see that on the front line. And I can tell you that from my own experience, you can see that on the front line and it impacts the customer and it impacts the relationships we have with the other, the other departments. Um, it, it is mm-hmm. their, their individual silos. And so it's personal for me. And I think that's why the more that we can, I don't know. I, I think back to the times when I've presented ideas like this in, in the corporate arena. And sometimes I get, you know, oh, that's just too highfalutin. We're here. And to your point about we haven't done a very good job in the corporate arena where everything is so sterile and it is about that. And the contributions and, and how you can uh, view your, your contributions to the world, that's outside of here. Here, it's you're here to do this. And when you get out here, that's why it's so important. And then they they try to augment it by you know organizations drives me crazy too by bringing foosballs and bring your pets to work and mm-hmm. and all that other kind of external stuff or that that cotton candy superficial stuff that doesn't really mean anything i don't know i went on for a long you know, time there but no but i i think you're pointing to a i mean the good the good thing i've learned that's been kind of encouraging the last few years is turning the tide on that it really starts with one leader seeing herself as someone who can be an important role model. And when I say right. role model, if, if one leader is talking about how she spends time thinking about her efforts influencing a customer and talks about how she's prioritizing her health and energy and well-being so she can be her best for the passengers she serves or the patients she serves, it begins to create an environment and a culture to your point where people know that it's okay, which is crazy, but they know it's okay to talk openly about what matters most for each of us as human beings and for the people we care about and for the people we serve. And once employees see that their leaders are talking openly or just one leader is talking openly and they feel like they have the permission to do that and the permission to prioritize what really matters most to other people that they serve. And so it's been good to see how when even one leader really takes responsibility for owning that and talking about themselves, it can have a, make a difference. It cascades pretty quickly. 
Well, I think you're doing great stuff. How long did it take you to, to do all of this from kind of beginning of concept to final product? How long are we talking here? You know, it took a couple of years between the um, kind of business nonfiction book and then we created a narrative story just for Kindle readers. It's almost all story-based to try and reach out to a different audience or avatar. And then um, the website in particular, you know, I've we spent a lot of time on that because I've one of the things I've learned across the, all the 10 plus books that I've done is that if you can give somebody something that they actually can do and apply in their lives, it really helps the content in a book to take on a more practical and applicable meaning and context over time. So I, I hope that resonates with readers as well. Well, you're doing great work. I mean, I think it's pretty clear what your contribution is and what it has certainly what it has been and what it will be in the future. But uh, what else is down the pike? I mean, this book comes out on February 4th. Is is that the right date? February 4th, 2020? Yep. Yeah. So you can pre-order it now uh, at Amazon or your favorite book uh, provider. Um, And you got to, I just alone doing that assessment on Contribify, which if you buy the book, you get an automatic access code. Is that right? Is that the way it works? That's correct. There are two, we actually put two codes in there and uh, each code allows a person to do it on a limited number of times. And the second code with the hardcover book is just for people to share it with someone else. So they're more likely to have the conversations we're talking about right now. So there's that piece of it. And then there's also a um, a purely narrative book about contribution that uh, we worked on with Amazon Original Stories. That's called the book title is It's Not About You. It's more of an individual read. Um, and that's that's out at the start of this year as well. And um, free for anyone to read that has a Prime membership, which I think is most of us at this point. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to get this when it comes out February 4th. And uh, like I said, just based on what my uh, participation in the uh, assessment online, um, it just piqued my curiosity even more. And I just think it's going to be great. Uh, all your work has been great. Hey, I'm just looking at your website here. What's this? I don't know anything about this. What's this documentary, Fully Charged? What is that? You know, that's a, that was a documentary that a guy who'd worked at CNN brought to us as an idea that went with the book, uh, Are You Fully Charged, a few years ago. And uh, he put together a pretty amazing collection of stories from everyone from the Army Surgeon General talking about kind of the integration of eating and moving and sleeping into a leadership culture to uh, a guy who's kind of a rebel gardener in Compton talking about building community with gardening and things he's doing outdoors. And it's, it's a whole documentary about how we can infuse energy into our work on a daily basis. And um, I think that's on prime and a lot of other venues encourage people to check that out as well. It's, there's some pretty inspirational characters in there. Yeah. I'm reading here the, the narrative on the website. I, I never, I, I'm shamed that I didn't know anything about this, but you I know, it's interesting. It's, it. it's one example of I've, I'm always experimenting with just what are the newest ways and best ways to reach people where they're ready to learn. And um, that's, you asked about what I'm thinking about for the future. And I think we'll just continue to experiment with any way that might have a lasting contribution for people where they're ready and eager and thinking about learning something new. Yeah. And you said in the, uh, before we started recording that you've helped a couple um, uh, authors, Patty McCord, which I absolutely love, um, help her write her book. Right. And there was somebody else that you mentioned. So you've been helping some people uh, contribute to get their contributions in the written format in the world, right? 
Yeah, we've been helping other authors to kind of put together their content and publish it from Patty McCord's book, Powerful, that I highly recommend to people. And uh, General Martin Dempsey, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and Ori Brofman, who's written a lot of books I've loved over the years. They published a book called Radical Inclusion this past year. And uh, General Dempsey has a, a new one coming out in 2020, hopefully as well, that we've been working on. And he's an amazing man with some remarkable stories from inside the uh, Pentagon and White House over the years that will be coming out. I've just been reading drafts of that, that he, he's got a remarkable story to tell that I encourage people to check out in late 2020. And Tom, I just, I love talking with you, man. I'm, and we got to make sure it's not five years in between the next conversation. Uh, that just seems so long. Um, Absolutely. Y- you're one of my favorites. I mean, I, I love your body of work. I'm excited for this new one to, uh, to come out. It's called Life's Great Question, uh, available February 4th. It's just how you can discover how you contribute to the world. Uh, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's going to be great when it comes out. How else can people reach out to you? TomRath.org is, is a great starting starting point, I would imagine. But how's, how would you want people to connect with you? Yeah, TomRath.org and uh, the Contribify website is where people can check out uh, more information on this latest book, Life's Great Question. Tom, so great that you came on. Thanks for the a great conversation. Thank, thanks to you and your listeners for their time. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dose of Leadership. I do appreciate your support. If you could do a couple of things for me, go subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast app. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And if you could do that for me, I would truly appreciate it. Also, if you're interested in working with me, if you're interested in some team leadership training, go to doseofleadership.com and check out Legacy Leader Blueprint. I understand how difficult it can be to get effective leadership training for your team. It never seems like you have the time or the budget. My course, Legacy Leader Blueprint, solves that problem. Quality leadership training that doesn't disrupt your busy schedule or break your budget. 20 high-impact videos and 6 hours of live group coaching with me that will allow you and your team to become true leaders of influence. I will teach you how to defeat mediocrity and stagnation, create high-impact cultures of initiative, and build empowered teams with high degrees of trust. Go check out doseofleadership.com, click on Legacy Leader Blueprint, and enroll your team today.